coming from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, starting at verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. This is the word of our God. We serve a risen Savior. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. There are two kinds of people in this room this morning. Uh, There are those who have trusted Christ as your Savior, and you can recall the place uh, where you were. You realize that. that you needed Christ and you needed him to save you from your sins. You know Jesus, yet your life is far from perfect. You battle fear and lust and worry, doubt, anger, pride, greed, laziness. You know Christ, but you still battle. Uh, That is the normal Christian life. And then there are those who don't know Christ. You've come today searching for contentment, relief, hope, help, peace. Your life is dominated by fear, lust, worry, doubt, anger, pride, greed, and laziness. 
You don't know Christ, and so you don't battle. That is the normal sinner's life. In a brand new series beginning today, my job as the preacher is to introduce you as best I can by the power of the Spirit to God. Who is he? Who is this God? Uh, On Good Friday, we celebrated his death and If you could ever celebrate a death, we did that a couple of days ago. Uh, It was good for us, not so very good for him. And uh, we celebrated a Jesus who would die to give us life, who uh, traded his righteousness for our sin. Uh, There's a prayer I'm learning to pray, and it goes like this. I will measure your compassion by the crucifixion and your power by the resurrection. God, I will measure your power, your compassion by the crucifixion and your power by the resurrection. This morning, at the end of our time together and all through the day, you'll have an opportunity to respond to a God who is powerful enough to save you from your sins and who is loving enough to save you from your sins. The scene is set. Jesus has died. Three days have passed. The disciples have fled. Mary and friends are weeping. It's early. It's daybreak on a Sunday morning when Mary Magdalene makes her way to the tomb to uh, most likely take care of the body of Jesus. It is in this encounter between Mary Magdalene and Jesus that, and the other disciples in Jesus that we discover this first uh, characteristic in a series of who God is. He is omnipotent. 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 Omni means all. Potent means powerful. God is all-powerful. This morning, we'll look at two aspects of uh, his power or two spheres of life over which he is powerful. And first of all, God is powerful over death. Uh, Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. It's dark. She saw the stone was taken away. So she ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. John, who's writing this, is talking about himself, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Mary Magdalene thinks someone has stolen Jesus' body. Grave robbing was common, so common in this day that Claudius, the emperor, had made it a capital offense. And so Mary Magdalene evidently thinks that sometime between Friday and Sunday, somebody came and uh, uh, stole Jesus' body. So Peter went out with the other disciple. They're going toward the tomb, both of them running. But the other disciple outran Peter. I don't know why John gives that example, but he does. He just says, I ran faster than Peter. And, uh, and reached the tomb first and stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth line there, but he didn't go in. I love the detail from the apostle John. John gets there, he sees the cloths, but he doesn't go in. He must be afraid. That's all you could deduce from this. He is afraid of what he will see. Why might John be afraid? Well, John was the only disciple who made it to the cross. 
uh, Judas uh, hanged himself. Uh, John is the only one there. Jesus and John had a back and forth, if you recall. John is the only disciple at the cross. Maybe etched in his uh, now brief memory of that crucifixion is, is Jesus' bleeding face. Maybe it's the crown of thorns that had pulled, been pulled down over Jesus' head that John can't quite get out of his mind. Perhaps it is the pierced side as the blood and water flowed down or the holes that were made in his wrist and in his feet by the nails. Maybe John just doesn't want to see what is lying there. Peter doesn't care. He lives most of his life in reckless abandon, doesn't he? And let me remind you that Peter's last interaction with Jesus wasn't so good. You see, Peter's standing at a distance. Jesus is being unfairly tried and unfairly treated. And the servant woman here in Peter's dialect comes up to Peter and says, you're one of his, and uh, back and forth, back and forth three times. And if you look at the language, it is so strong on the third denial that, that most uh, scholars believe Peter invoked the name of God and cursed uh, Christ And Jesus turned to look at him, and that glance gripped Peter so that he went out and wept bitterly. He didn't see the cross. He didn't see Jesus hanging there. And he would love to see even perhaps if it is Jesus' body there. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there in the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. I would just say to you this morning, all of God's words matter, and all of these details matter. Why does John give these details? Well, if somebody had robbed the grave, they certainly would have taken the cloths. So we rule out grave robbing at this point. No, the grave wasn't robbed. But probably most profound is this. Here he is. Jesus is gone, but, but these strips of cloth are folded. They're, they're in neat order. Um, everything is in order in the tomb. It's all in place. What does this mean? Two things. One is that Jesus supernaturally just came through those. He just came through the grave clothes And number two, that uh, we learn later, there were some attendants who wanted to be part of this. I I have no clue. Maybe you say, Jerry, your mind shouldn't even go here. I have no clue who in heaven, uh, how they chose the two angels for this job. Have you ever thought the angels in heaven vying. Oh, let me go. Let me go. You know, their hearts were breaking three days earlier. All heaven was silent as the separation that had never before existed between the Father and the Son for a moment existed and heaven was silent. And then these, these angels, two of them get the job to go down, fold up the grave clothes and, and, and those strips of cloth and and, and preside over the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Wow. And uh, we hear that, and I would say to you this morning that in the age of Google, uh, when we can go fi- figure out anything in about three seconds, 
I could do my very best to explain to you uh, apologetically in terms of defense of the gospel, Christ and his coming, but I cannot explain to you the resurrection. At some point, you have to, by faith, trust Christ and believe. I cannot do that. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and saw and what? Believed. He saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. The disciples went back to their homes. Well, there are about 330 uh, prophecies in the Old Testament that prophesy the Messiah. They're eerily similar to Jesus. If you go read them, right, uh, Jesus fulfilled them to such a degree, it's remarkable. There are about three that talk about someone dying. One of them talks about that person raising three days later. But let's go to Jesus' words. How did Jesus describe his own resurrection? I love this. Of all the guys in the Old Testament, Jesus, you're going to use to describe your resurrection, let's go grab Jonah. All right, Jonah, uh, let's go find Jonah. Who's Jonah? Jonah is this reluctant prophet that God calls out of Israel to go to Nineveh. Where's Nineveh? Up to the north and over to the east, the capital of Assyria, that awful kingdom, right? The Assyrians, the brutal Assyrians. God says, Jonah, go preach the gospel to a bunch of Gentiles. Uh, They're not Jews and they're, they're really raising up an army. And Jonah says, probably not. And so he gets on the boat, he heads down. I love what the old preacher said. He went down, 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 down. And he goes down into the ship, and then the ship is just a mess, and they can't sail, and the sailors finally meet. They don't worship God. They call out to their gods to no avail. They basically draw straws, cast slots. When they do, falls on Jonah. Jonah says, I am the man. Throw me overboard. Uh, They have more care for Jonah than he does for the Ninevites. They say, no, maybe not. They throw some more stuff overboard. Doesn't work. Jonah gets thrown into the belly of the, into the, uh, the, the sea and a large fish comes and swallows him up and how long is he in the fish three days and nights jesus jesus goes and grabs that story already they've missed it but he's told them this then some of the matthew then some of the scribes and pharisees answered him saying teacher we wish to see a sign from you but he answered an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign let me pause here to say this why, why would Jesus call them evil and adulterous? Not because of adultery with a, a man or with a woman. No, because they, they want God to come through and then they want their way too. All right? And there's some of you that are in the same shoes. You want God to come through, you want your way too. God, if you'll bless my business, but I don't want to pay my taxes. Somehow God may not bless your business. Or if your business grows, it may be because you're a good business person, not because God came through for you. God, um, if you will, bless my marriage, but I'm not exactly sure that I'm going to honor my wife by. No. 
You can't have it your way and God's way too. You can't manipulate the supernatural. You can't just say, okay, God, let me put a quarter in the machine. You spit out some good supernatural juice for me today. Get me through this day. And once you do, I'm good to go. I I saw this profoundly when we were in Senegal. We go out, we're in a village, we go to the medical hut. Behind the village, we get a phone call, unbelievable. Uh, Phones don't work on Highway Interstate 40 between Old Fort and Marion, but they work in the bush in Africa. So, at any rate, get a phone call. We need a pastor over here. We get over there. There's a, there we are. There's a dad with a, a little boy who's five, and this little boy is writhing in pain, and he has come to see the doctors, and we are there to help treat this little, to pray for this little kid. I look in that dad's eyes, and I see what's in my eyes. He, he may be a different color than, than I am, but he loves his boy like I love my two children. That is just a common thing that he and I have, right? And uh, he wants his boy healed. The pastor's wife, uh, Esther, is there, and the pastor, uh, Cherna, are there. We're, we're both standing there, and Cherna's interpreting for me. And so uh, we begin to ask questions, and then Esther leans in. And I'll never, ever forget this. She said, uh, and being interpreted to me, this is an opportunity for the gospel, This is a clear opportunity for the gospel. So she says, um, I want you to ask him, does he have charms on him from the witch doctor? And so, uh, so they ask him, sure enough, they lift up the shirt and right around stomach pain, there are those charms from the witch doctor. The parents had taken him to the witch doctor. Maybe the witch doctor could help. Do you know what Esther looked at him and said? Listen. You either get Jesus or the witch doctor. They don't work together. If you want us to pray, take the charms off. If you don't want Jesus, go with the witch doctor. It's your call. Shoot. Like, let's call him out right here. I'm thinking, sure enough, he said, send for a knife. They sent for a knife cut those charms off of that little baby boy, that little five-year-old boy, and we gathered around him and began to pray that God in his grace would heal him. Why? Jesus and witch doctors don't work together. That's what Jesus is saying. You evil and adulterous generation seek a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. Well, the Ninevites, those, uh, those awful Gentiles, got this better than, than, than does this generation that gets Jesus himself. Something greater than Jonah is here. And all God's people say, Amen. Uh, The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. And all God's people say, amen. Jesus was saying, I am here. And I love the fact that he goes and grabs a reluctant prophet who even after he preached the shortest sermon in the history of sermons. And all the people repent. The king on down, he sits on the side of the hill and pouts. He goes from being a reluctant prophet to a pouting prophet. God is powerful over death. 
Secondly, he is powerful over sin. I love this little conjunction, but Mary. Mary who? Mary Magdalene. It just means she was from Magdala, which is a town near Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee. They made fabric. And so Mary is from this town. It was a bustling little town. By the time Jesus met her, she would have looked awful. She had been possessed by seven demons, and that most likely is uh, a figurative term, meaning that she was totally possessed by demons. She's totally possessed by demons. She would have been in complete disarray. Awful looking, unattractive. If you have any attractive idea of Mary Magdalene in your mind, when Jesus meets her, remove it. Remove it. She wasn't attractive. She was completely possessed by the enemy. On a different account, Jesus says in Luke 7, Therefore I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Mary had been forgiven much, hadn't she? And she loved much. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she looked to look, stooped to look in, and she saw the angels sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head, one at the feet. They ask her why she's weeping. She says they've taken him away. She turns around. She sees somebody, supposes him to be the gardener. Jesus says, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she says, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where, and I'll take him. Like if he matters nothing to you, he matters a lot to me. Is there anybody in the room who can say that? If Jesus matters nothing to you, he matters a lot to me. Is there anyone in the room who can say, if he matters nothing to you, he matters a lot to me? Why? God had exchanged Mary Magdalene's life. In his exchange with her, he shows his incredible power, not only over death, but over sin. Please hear me. God did not come simply to save you from hell. God came to save you from yourself. He came to save you from yourself. I love Romans 8, 11. You should jot it down and tuck it in, in your mind. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give what? Life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That same spirit that gives life to your mortal bodies right now is the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. When you come to God by faith in Christ, the spirit comes to live within, within you. Now notice when Mary recognized Jesus. Only when he said her name. Isn't that interesting? Jesus, in John earlier, the same book, referred to himself as the good shepherd. And he said to him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out his own, he goes before him. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice. God knows how to call your name. And if you have ever trusted Christ as your Savior, you heard him call your name. You heard him call you out. And if you've never trusted Christ, perhaps you're hearing his voice today. Ravi Zacharias tells the story of a, um, a friend of his who was a total skeptic, came to faith in Christ, became an avid supporter of Zacharias' ministry. 
He said, my friend had attended an event in Florida. Once the event was over, he connected with some pretty amazing business tycoons in the uh, United States. And he said when he got to the, the, to the meeting of those uh, men, uh, he got there early. And his friend said, I've invited so-and-so. And uh, Ravi Zacharias said, my friend, why, said, why in the world did you invite that man? He has the foulest mouth of anybody I've ever heard. Why would we want him here? Why would we want even to have dinner with him? While he was talking, the guy showed up. So he exchanged pleasantries, and the guy says, what are you doing in Florida? He said, I was at a Ravi Zacharias event. This foul-mouthed guy said, why didn't you invite me? He said, invite you? Why would you ever want to be part of such a thing? So his foul-mouthed friend said, how long has it been since you've seen me? He said, about a year. He said, tell me. He said, let me tell you what happened. He said, I, I had cheated everyone. You know that. I've been a ruthless businessman. And my wife sat me down one day and said, it's over. I'm done. He said, so we were headed in the car to New Orleans. We were going to shut down some of our businesses He said, when all of a sudden blue lights came up from behind us, when they did, we pulled over. A tall uh, black officer came up to the door, came up to my window. I rolled down the window. He just stared intently into my eyes. He never said a word. He went around the other car, to the other side of the car where my wife sat in the passenger seat. He asked her to roll down the windows. Uh, The window she did. He looked at her and he said, Madam, I don't know what he's done. But forgive him and move on. And he said, right then and there, Christ, we bowed our heads and Christ came to live in our hearts. What happened? God, through a black state trooper, called this ruthless businessman's name. He still does that, doesn't he? Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascended to my Father and yours, to my God and yours. So Mary's probably on her face at this point. She's clinging to Jesus. Jesus, uh, every time I read this, I think he sounds kind of rude. I mean, straight up, no offense, Jesus But I just think he sounds kind of rude. Like, get off of me. Right? Why? Why would he say that? Please hear me. Please hear me. Jesus' resurrection was not so that he could live uh, to a ripe old age on the earth. Jesus resurrected to ascend. We'll talk about that next Sunday. You may have never heard a sermon on the ascension. But the, but the power, uh, the reality of the omnipresence of God is made so apparent by the ascension. Jesus resurrected to ascend. Mary didn't need to desire his physical presence, but the rewards of his spirit living in her. Mary needed Christ on the inside. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead would come to dwell in Mary Magdalene, the one who had been dwelled in by demons. Don't miss that. The one whose body had been the temple of demons would become the temple of Jesus Christ himself. Only Christ can do that. Amen? Only Christ Jesus' resurrection wasn't celebrated as a mere hero dying and raising again. Jesus died to give Mary life. 
Jesus was saying, I'm not Sergio Garcia on the 18th hole and you trying to give me a high five because I just won the Masters. No, I died to give you life. As a matter of fact, John later says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may what, church? What? Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have what? Life in his name. Believe, just like Timothy said, and you'll live. That goes for the five-year-old in Africa. goes for the business tycoon on his way to New Orleans. And you too. Oh, but my mom is this and my dad is this. Listen, I grew up in the strictest family on the planet. I guarantee you that most of you did more by the time you were five than I did by the time I was 18. But still, at the age of 15, I realized I was lost and desperately needed Christ. Desperately needed Christ. We've had so many through the years at Grace who have done the same. But I ask one to share with you. You'll see a story. We're going to sing a song. We'll be down here. If you don't know Christ, come. If you do know him, but you need to be rid of something. If you've heard his name, uh, your name again, come. Let's watch the screen. So you've heard Jerry preach say about how God has power over death and sin. I'm living proof of that. So about eight months ago, I'm sitting on the back porch of my buddy's house. And um, at this point in my life, I'm living in a total wrong way that I should be living. Um, I got fed up with it, I guess you can say. And I got to start praying to God about how I needed him, how I needed him to show me that he is who he says he is. And, and he does love me, that just to send me a sign. I've prayed a thousand times before this. Didn't really think nothing of it. Well, I'm laying down, and I get a text message from this unsaved number, and it's about devoting my life to Christ. And took my breath away, and I text back. I said, who is this? He said, this is Grace Community Church. Is this Tim? I said, yeah, but who are you as a person? He said, oh, man, this is Jerry. I thought you seen my blog. At this point, I haven't seen Jerry in two years. I haven't even thought about Jerry. Didn't even, I barely even knew who Jerry was, but... At some point, he, he wanted to send that text message, and God put it on his heart and to show me that I needed him. Um, so I started talking to Jerry about it and saying how I, you know, I needed that God was really calling to me. And uh, I work for Safe Light Auto Glass. I'm driving down, and I'm listening to 99.9 Kiss Country. At this point, I love country music. I still do. I um, felt like God was putting on my heart to listen to 106.9 The Light. I ignored it, and uh, not a mile down the road. Did I not see a billboard that says 106.9 The Light? Hope starts here. Some three powerful words that changed my life forever. Um, I'm in the back of my safe light van, and I get to praying to God, asking God, how am I supposed to give my life to you fully when I'm so stuck in my ways? And it's like like Jesus himself came down in that moment and gave me a hug and pulled me out of the hole that I was in. And something clicked. I said, I'm going to do it. And I've been straight ever since. God's been so good to me, and he's used me in so many ways, and he can use you in so many ways as well. So all you got to do is open up your heart and believe who he is. That's all it takes is trust in the Father. One of my favorite songs is, O Come to the Altar. Since giving my life to Jesus, I've had to come to the altar time after time for the, the sins that I struggle with. Now, I know God is powerful enough to deliver me from my sins, 
Um, I know he's powerful enough to deliver in the sins that you have as well. There's hope in Jesus. He can defeat all. He has defeated all. I know that he loves you with all his heart. And he wants to, he wants to rest your burdens. He wants to bear your burdens and where your life is at. He has open arms for you always and always has. So we're going to sing this song. And I'm going to be down front along with Jerry and along with uh, others as well from Grace. Um, just please don't leave the way you came. The Savior's arms are always open wide for you. Let's stand. We'll be here. We'd love to pray with you.